Hey, everybody, Tony Bruschi. Obviously, things are very crazy right now, and having something to escape with mentally for our mental health is very, very important. So what I want to do on the weekends right now as we're all going through this is give you some extra content. On Saturdays and Sundays, we're going to release a live version of our episode that we recorded during the week through a Facebook Live session. Be sure to follow us on Facebook to find out when we're doing those lives so you can call in live and participate. Also, each week, I'm going to grab an EPP episode from our archive of more than 300. We'll pick one a week and put that out there for you as well in its entirety so you have something else to enjoy and listen to. And if you like those EPP episodes and you want access to all 300 of them, uh, and there's brand new ones every single week, uh, if you want access to all of those, uh, just sign up to be an extra podcast person. If you can, it's only $5 a month. Get all the extra stuff. Ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories to do just that. These EPP ones that we're going to be dropping for you go way back in our archive uh, several, several years back. These are nowhere near the latest episodes, uh, but there's some good ones from, from many years back. So I'll shut up now. Thank you guys for listening. If you can support the program at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories, that's greatly appreciated. Hope you enjoy the audio and hopefully this gives you about an hour or so of just thinking about something else. Welcome stories online call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com you are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead this is real ghost stories online that indeed it is and uh, epp episode 113 is what you are tuned into right now thank you for being an epp supporting the show and helping to keep us on the air i could not do this thing without you so welcome and uh, if you're a new epp this is something we do all year long this stuff does not end at halloween every single week throughout the year a new epp episode comes out and other uh, goodies that we uh, create for epps come out as well so uh, keep checking out ghostpodcast.com for all of that stuff. On today's EPP bonus episode, after a house guest decides to go in the attic, a listener finds that his home is haunted by violent entities. A train ride home is anything but routine for one listener. A ghost tour was eventful for two women, and the events keep occurring after they are home. And a listener shares of a local haunted cemetery that lives up to its deadly reputation. Those stories and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online in EPP episode 113. Lucky number 113. <laughs> Does it make it lucky if there's like 113 or 213 versus just 13? I don't, I've never really uh, subscribed to the whole like uh, 13 being an unlucky number or three. Or In fact, usually, uh, this is before I even knew it was an unlucky number. And people are like, what number you want? I would pick those numbers. Mm-hmm. Like as a kid, I'd be like three or 13. I, w- I don't know why. Yeah. I'd always pick like, and then like, that's an unlucky number. I don't know. Not that I've ever won anything by picking these numbers. Sure. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Wow. Numerology is an interesting thing, but uh, at the same time, I think there's a lot of randomness to it as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I don't know. I've never really gone with that one being so unlucky. No. Because I haven't seen it being lucky or unlucky. It just It's just... Really kind of a number. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you probably already knew that. Of course, you can write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com, or you can email Jenny your stories, J-E-N-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. 
to get uh, your uh, audio file over to us for uh, possible airing on a future episode of the show. Let's go to our first uh, story today. Comes into us from Jesse, and Jesse says, Hey, Tony and Jenny, I've called this story in and emailed the audio. I just didn't feel it was detailed enough or had the storytelling power that Tony has. I'll try to cut down the curse words. I'm ex-military, and the use of curse words tend to be just part of training. I've experienced the paranormal since I was young, possibly even as a baby, from what my mother says. That's a story for another time, though. This specific story affected my life, my relationships, and my work. I'd met a young woman who I started dating. She lived 30 minutes outside of Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I resided. I wanted to move closer to her, so I uprooted myself and moved into Huntington, Indiana. Where I first moved there, I was jobless and homeless. So my girlfriend's mother offered me a place to stay, at least until I found a job and my own place. I stayed there a few months, finally found a job, saved up some money, and started looking for a place. Found a two-bedroom duplex on the second floor. Moved in. Wasn't in the creative shape, uh, in the best shape, but it was cheap rent. This is the beginning of a six-month-long living hell. This house, to my friends and I, is known as the house on Till Road. I've been living there for two weeks. Finally, I'd gotten settled in and decided to throw a housewarming party. Invited a bunch of friends, my brother Stephen and my friends Chase. They play a slight role in this. Well, the part uh, had uh, kicked off, you know, the drinking, beer pong, kings, joking. I'd worked a 10-hour shift that day and decided to turn in early. An hour later, my girlfriend crawls into bed with me. And ten minutes later, I got a knock on my bedroom door. Of course, slightly buzzed in the middle of intimacy, I was a little pissed off. So I yelled, what? I'm busy. It was my brother, apparently him, and my friend. Chase decided to rummage through my attic. He'd been cut off on top of his foot. I opened the door and sure enough, he's bleeding on my damn carpet. How the fuck, I say? He responds, bro, I don't know. I didn't even feel it till we came down. I told him to clean that scrap up and you better not stain my carpet or we are fighting. This is where it gets interesting. The next morning, I got up and there were passed out people everywhere. My brother was playing Xbox, so I asked him to come up to the attic with me so we can have a look around. This attic is old. It's the pull-down stairs. I'm 240 pounds, mind you, so I'm not so scared of the attic as I am of these rickety-ass ladders. We get up there, search the attic, and it's empty. There's nothing could have cut himself on. There was a milk crate over in the corner with papers on it. Went over to took these papers, went down the stairs. After finding them, I looked through them and some were unimportant. Two, however, stood out. One was a hand sewing of a church design. Second was a page two of a letter about reasons why this church was to be built. Nothing too strange was in this letter, so I just pit them to the side and went out with my hangover. I had two pit bulls at the time, Mia and Dozer, my best friends. Well, they decided to rip these papers apart. And that's when shit hit the fan. Instantly a change in atmosphere. The house felt heavy, ominous, and just all around wrong. First night the activity started, my girlfriend and I were on the couch watching the boob tube. When out of nowhere, we heard what sounded like someone jumping as high as they could, then slamming their feet onto the ceiling. Scared the crap out of us. Then you hear stuff dragging across the floor like furniture. My girlfriend looks at me. Maybe it's a raccoon. I gave her a look like, really? That's a big damn raccoon. And is he moving in? If so, he's paying rent. 
It goes on for a few weeks, sometimes two nights in a row, and then stops for a night or two. And I started noticing weird occurrences, things missing or moved. I would find them later in random spots, just unexplained events. Me being into the paranormal, part of a ghost hunting crew in Georgia, and just all around having these events my entire life, I'm thinking, great, I live in another haunted house. After about two months there, things got progressively worse. My girlfriend and I started fighting more. I became more aggressive and more angry. It's like my personality shifted. I wasn't sleeping well. I would be woken to slams, things being thrown into the kitchen, and unexplained voices. One night, we threw another party. Well, I'd left to get some booze. When we got back, I went into the bathroom while everyone beeline for the living room. I do my business, come into the living room, and everyone is staring at my TV, which was off. I ask, what the hell are you freaks doing? My girlfriend says to me, Jesse, there's little kids' handprints all over your screen. Sure enough, they were covering my screen, probably the size of a five- or six-year-old. My daughter at the time was eight months old. Sure it wasn't her. Cleaned off the TV, tried to have a good night, just ignored it until I can sort it out. Well, that blew up in my face like a damn grenade. Two weeks later, I was leaving for Fort Wayne and had forgot something. I ran up the stairs to get it. So here's the short layout of the house. You come up the stairs into the hall. To your right is my bedroom and your left is a doorway to the living room. When you turn right, you'll pass another door on your left and to the family room. Then at the end is a T. On the left is the kitchen directly across the bathroom. Well, I was heading to the bathroom and as I enter behind me, I hear what sounds like a little kid running across my kitchen floor and then giggles. I wasn't about to stick around and look. Fuck that. I grabbed my stuff, double-timed it out, never spoke of it to my girl again. At about the four or five month mark, it started to get darker. Took an about face to what the hell. At this point, I was changing, closed myself off. It was really mean and threatening to my girlfriend. She said I was saying horrible things to her in my sleep, yelling at her, calling her nasty names. I've never been like that, and since I left, I'd never have again. This part is the culminating point, and I can't do it anymore. One night, I had a buddy stay over, and we decided to stay up and play some video games and drink, normally 24-year-old stuff. We finally got tired and decided to hit the rack, and I slept on the couch, him on the floor. I was almost out when all of a sudden he jumps up screaming like a raped ape. Scared the crap out of me. I asked what happened and he said, I don't know, I was lying there and I hear, but I heard a deep growl above my head. I thought I was, it was the dogs looking up at me and this massive black shadow was in their hallway. I'm out, dude. He left at 3 a.m. and went home. His point, I was so used to it, I just went to sleep. A few nights later, I was also lying on the floor watching TV when I heard the growling, so I jumped up, and at this point, I was pissed. Screaming, show yourself, calling all sorts of names, I got what I wished for. To this day, it haunts me. I heard a noise from my daughter's room, ran in there, and standing over my daughter's crib is this massive black form. Luckily, my daughter wasn't there. She was at her mom's. I was frozen. I've been dealing with paranormal a long time. Never have I experienced anything like this. And it just disappeared. I feel it showed itself in that room to say, keep taunting me and I'll show you what I can do. A week later, I moved back to Fort Wayne. Sorry, the story is so long. Feel free to edit if need be. I'm an EPP member. Love your show. I'm a truck driver now, so I have lots of free time. Hope to hear this on an episode. Thanks for all you do. 
So I'm assuming everything stopped when he moved away. Well, at least that stuff I'm assuming did. Yeah. Being someone who said that he's he's kind of been haunted his whole life, I imagine there's stuff, mm-hmm. but probably not not to that level. It sounds like. Sure. So I'm, there was a breakup there at some point with the girlfriend. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing so. I don't really know. Maybe she just kind of got tired of mm-hmm. his uncharacteristic behavior. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It makes me wonder if if um, if she heard the story now, would she buy it? Would she understand it? Would she? What would, what would her take be on it? Well, if she's open to paranormal stuff, she might be more understanding. Sure, and the fact that she had had. Um, heard those things mm-hmm. she was almost part of it yeah you know obviously when the personality changes there's only there's no nothing she can do about that but i guess you know it's not not just like somebody going well i was a ghost honey <laughs> you know that was making me act this way because she actually experienced some of that i'm just curious as to how that ended if if it was look i, I know you got ghosts but i don't want any more of it myself so do we know was it because the friend went in the attic that all this got stirred up or was it the dogs tearing up the church drawings? I think it was something to do with the destruction of those church documents. Okay. And that's because that seems to be when everything mm-hmm. began. So the lesson is if you find weird documents in your attic, don't destroy them. <laughs> there you go. Or let your pets destroy them. Because <laughs> apparently the ghosts don't really discriminate on if your dog did it or if you did it. It's like a, it's like a teacher at school. Mm-hmm. They don't care if you lost your homework or if your dog ate it. It's mm-hmm. still up to you to keep it all in place. Yep. There you go. Goes to the same way. This is a life lesson for all of us. Mm-hmm. Do, 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 do. You know what? I saw a The More You Know Today on television. Like a current one? Like a current one. And it's nowhere near as cheesy as they used to be. The messages are just as cheesy as they used to be. But they've kind of like updated all the graphics. And it's just like a big white screen. And then it just says The More You Know, really tiny. And then that little... It's like an updated version of the... Okay, what was today's message? I don't know. I oh, don't. that's good. It's the less I know every time I see these <laughs> things. But um, but it's... Uh, I was like, oh, I heard it. I'm like, oh my gosh, there it is. Oh, it had the same little sound? Yeah, it was on uh, It was on MSNBC. Okay. So they still run them on, on NBC. I think it's like what they, they do to like fulfill requirements of like being a broadcast. Uh-huh. Uh, and you have to... As a broadcaster, when you're doing things like that and you actually are out of towers and you need an FCC license and all of that to, to operate mm-hmm. um, you are required by law to have so much um, public good cert, you know uh, content if you will things public service announcements to a certain extent uh-huh. there, it's there's certain things you have to have in what's called a public file that show that you were you know not just profiting on the signal you okay. were doing good. That's why if you listen to a lot of commercial radio stations at like 5 a.m. on Sunday mornings, they have their public service show. And it's usually about next to nothing. It's like, well, there's a new pack of squirrels at the uh, local zoo, and we're going to talk for an hour to the local zookeeper about how you can go to Free Squirrel Day uh, next Thursday uh, from 1 to 2 p.m. And it's things like that. Does Does the, like church religious shows on Sunday mornings, no. does, that doesn't fall into that category? Because no. I always <clears throat> wondered why certain radio stations like Big Ones they make money. would do that. Okay. 
the uh, the the church would pay them to uh, okay. to broadcast it. Um, but no, the the public service shows, and some of them actually are good. Some stations do put time into these things, and they're actually neat, mm-hmm. and they're kind of interesting, community minded. But a lot of them that I've seen, it's just like, oh god, somebody's going to put this thing together so we can fulfill this requirement, and it can be a, and and fill an hour talking about nothing. Okay. Um, but kudos to the ones that still do do good versions of the public service shows but there's not a whole lot left so anywho that if you ever wondered why you're hearing this at 5 a.m on sunday on like all your local stations and they bury it where absolutely no one's listening Uh because you can put it wherever you want and like oh but it kind of makes it look like maybe somebody's listening then but (laughs) eh, probably not uh brad writes in i was young in the army and stationed in uh hurl harold harold brun I don't know. You're the one with German heritage. You should know. And I took German for two years. Yeah, you should eventually know. failed it. Uh, Hurlbron. I'll go with Hurlbron. Okay. Hurlbron, Germany. This is like a name of a beer. Give me a Hurlbron. That'd be great. Put an orange in there. During the 80s, in the spring of 1984, I had the weekend off, so I spent the day sightseeing the local area between Hurlbron and uh, Stuttgart with friends. This was followed by an evening of beer drinking with buddies in downtown Stuttgart. We uh, drank, played pool, foosball, darts. It was a great time. Anyway, some at some point, I let everyone know I was headed back to Hurlbron early, and I was running low on money and still needed to get back on the uh, to the barracks. And I was heckled a little, and some offered me money for beers, but I refused and left it at that and said to them, I'll see you guys in the morning. It was late after 10 p.m., took a taxi to the train station and got a ticket to Hurlbron. It's a short train ride, about 35, 40 minutes. I was alone on the platform waiting and looking around when I thought I heard children yelling, but I said to myself, man, I really got a good buzz. I'm hearing things. A few minutes later, the train slowly screeched into the station. I think I hear machine gun fire and I hit the ground looking around and I realized how foolish I must look and there's nothing there. I get up, brush myself off and enter the train looking around like I hope nobody saw that and was laughing a little. I'm all alone and I sit in the middle of the train car. Train jerked and started to move. Some of the overhead lights were flickering on and off quickly and then stopped. I thought to myself, kind of creepy. About 15 minutes go by, yawning and yawning. I think, damn, this is boring. As I look out the window, I notice it's really black and dark outside. Just then I hear guns cocking. My head snaps around in my one o'clock position Startled, I see five German soldiers 15 feet away facing me with machine guns drawn. The soldiers were particularly transparent. I could kind of see the seats through them. I blurred out, what the fuck? Ducking down to the floor, closing my eyes, I hear the rat-tat-tat-tat of the machine guns, and I think to myself, weird. I don't hear the bullets striking anything. So I peek up over the seat, and there's nobody there but a slight puff of smoke. Like cigarette smoke. I sit back in my seat agitated, scared and confused all at the same time. I'm hyperventilating a little when I hear a calming tap on my shoulder from behind. I look backward and upwards and I see two semi-transparent U.S. Army soldiers. I remember this vividly. The black soldier had green eyes. He was holding an M1 carbine, putting his finger to his lips, shh-ing me, his teeth bloodied and then hand signaling, signaling for me to get down. The white soldier was holding an M1 Thompson machine gun, smoking a cigarette, and was very uh, visibly uh, unshaven. I slide down to the floor, look straight up. The two soldiers point over me and fire. Burp. 
pop, pop, some yelling in English and German. And then I hear children screaming in terror. Then I hear the rat, tat, 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 tat of the German machine guns. The white soldier is hit in the upper chest several times, thrashing in agony, blood spewing from his mouth. The black soldier looks at him, shouting, no, and is hit in the neck, blood squirting like from a drinking fountain from the wound. I close my eyes, shouting, shit, 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 this can't be happening. Stop, stop, please. It's quiet, and I open my eyes. Pick myself up off the floor, and everything has vanished except for the cigarette smell in the air. I sit down, visibly shaken, scared, confused, trying to rationalize what I just saw. I was startled. I jump big time, hearing children laughing. I look out the window, and I see the normal reflection of about ten boys and girls, I'm guessing thirteen years old. They're looking at me, laughing. They point in my direction, and their laughs turn to horrid screams. Bodies being riddled by bullets and their faces turn to decompose globs and bone and flesh, scaring the shit out of me. I yelled and the lights flashed on and off a couple of times as I hear the train screech, causing me to blink a few times, and the kids are now gone as the others disappeared. While I sit in my seat, dazed and confused, okay, and yes, scared for the next few minutes, I snap out of it as the train jerks to a stop in Hurlbron. I keep this story to myself for many years, leaving parts out, making light of it, and telling it differently altogether as I thought people would think I was drunk or hallucinating. I'm telling this hallucinating, or should I say ghost story, battle in its entirety now after doing some research decades later. I discovered there was a battle for Harold Rome between the American and German armies towards the end of World War II. This nine-day battle involved heavy, intense, house-to-house, room-to-room fighting over building rubble, dead soldiers, women and children caught in the crossfire. The weird thing is the Americans snuck in across the, the Neckar River and along the railway system to surprise the German opposition. Even weirder, this battle involved a sizable number of Hitler youth. The death toll on both sides was around 2,000 American, German, and civilian casualties. I like to think I was witnessing some side battle that occurred during the nine days of fighting. Is it possible the energy can be left or transformed to an area or location due to some heinous event? Part of me says it could have been the Hitler Youth playing with me, as at that time I was an American soldier, or was it the Americans letting me know about the heinous attack and killing of innocent children by the Germans? The only reason I lean towards the second of the two explanations is because of the two American soldiers. They were acting like they were trying to protect me as if I were a child to stay down and keep quiet. That is just a ridiculous amount of energy going on Mm -hmm. for a whole battle to be reenacted. Yeah. With ghosts. Was the train moving? Yeah, it must have been because also eventually he hits the... uh, that's that's the strange thing to me because a lot of times you think if it's a residual type thing, it's going to be in a set location. Maybe this is something that occurred on that train or that train car, but just not in the spot where he was. Oh, I, I see. So it could have been carrying with the train, or if if it wasn't even that train car, it could go. You could even argue that what if there's part of the train. That this happened mm-hmm. on, like a part, literally a piece, mm-hmm. uh, reused, and and then it's somehow holding this. Something like that. I think it has more so to do with something to do with the the train or the train station versus just where. Mm-hmm. Or the tracks? Maybe. That's one of the most detailed and horrifying 
battlefield ghost stories I think we've ever had. It's a good one. It is. That that is very very disturbing. Thank you for uh, for sharing that one with us. Not exactly what you'd want to have happen when you're on the train no. late at night by yourself. That's uh, yeah, that's a dandy. <laughs> Thank you for uh, for that. Our next story uh, comes into us from Nicole, and Nicole says, "Hi Tony and Jenny. Good day from Australia. First, wanted to say I love listening to your show. I was excited to hear my story I wrote in last year about the thing that poked me from under my bed as a child." So I have another story to share with you and the other listeners. A while ago, when I was living in Sydney, my sister came to visit me for a weekend and we decided to go away. We stayed overnight at a place called Q Station in Manly, Sydney. It was originally the quarantine station where people stayed when they first immigrated to Australia in the mid-1800s before being let into the country to live. It's now heritage listed and is a beautiful hotel with stunning views of the harbor and an amazing restaurant. They also run ghost tours most evenings, so being the paranormal enthusiasts we are, my sister and I decided to take an evening tour. Just to be clear, though, we like tours, but not hunting. Don't have enough knowledge or skill to do that safely. Our tour guide was a lovely older gentleman, and from the start he told us he was not a psychic or medium or sensitive in any way, so if anything happened, it would be because it was meant to. He also stressed there was nothing evil on the property as the people who did die at the quarantine station mostly died from disease and most were children. The tour started off going to a few buildings like the old hospital, groundkeeper cottage, etc. And little things happened here and there, but beside the fun little scares the tour guide pulled, it felt very authentic and no theatrics. Then we headed up to a grave of a little boy who had died from illness named Isaac. His parents were so distraught at his passing that they paid for a private grave and for its upkeep. And when they left, the staff just continued to look after it and still do to this day. It was a little way into the bush and the area was pitch black when we got there. The guide was out an EMF meter and a torch, put out an an EMF meter and a torch and started talking to the boy. My sister started filming on her phone and what we saw was absolutely amazing. The guide asked Isaac to turn on the torch. Immediately, the torch turned on and lights flickered on the EMF meter. The guide was standing at least a few feet away with his arms crossed, so there was no way he could have done that himself. He continued talking to Isaac until right after he asked him to come closer to the EMF meter, it suddenly flew off the railing it was sitting on, landing several feet away. It could not have simply fallen off. It was like something pushed it. Unfortunately, you can't see this on the video as it's so dark and only a phone after all, but what my sister did catch on her recording was you can hear everyone's reaction to the flying meter incident then and the light from the torch distorts like the light is shining through glass or smoke and the light is being refracted. Then there's a very audible long gasp like someone is having difficulty breathing. We did not hear this at the time. If I can get her to send it to me, I'll forward it on to you guys. The tour finished up not long after, and we headed back to our rooms and went to bed. My sister woke me up halfway through the night, and she said she couldn't sleep because her heart was racing and she felt like the body, her body was on edge. She also told me she felt there was a man standing in the corner of our room. She couldn't see him, but just felt a presence there. I looked and obviously couldn't see or feel anything. I asked her if she felt threatened by him, and she said no. He didn't feel negative at all, but I think she was just a little scared of how her body was reacting to her sensing him. 
Is it possible she may be a little sensitive? It's not something that runs in our family, though. I do get a lot of deja vu and can sometimes guess when things are going to happen. Would love to hear your thoughts. Anyway, sorry if this was a little long-winded, but wanted to give as much detail as possible. I became an EPP a little while ago, and I'm really enjoying the extra shows. You guys are fantastic, and look forward to more shows to come. Thanks, Nicole. I think her sister could be sensitive, and it doesn't have to run in the family. I mm-hmm. mean, if she'd ever had a really bad illness or injury or accident or trauma when she was being born or any number of things that can thin that veil. Food poisoning from an unsanitary buffet. Could happen. (coughs) Could happen for sure. Now, I think anytime you've got a situation like that, and and, you know, maybe none of that's happened. Maybe she's just the first one in her family to be sensitive. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But it sounds like the ghost tour kept going. You got a good tour there. Yeah. That's uh, that's exciting. You know, it's funny. I've heard of uh, you know some tours where uh, some places they 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 set some things up. It's, mm-hmm. it's not always the case uh, by any means, but I have heard of some behind the scene things from some tours where it's like, well, just by the way, uh, we do do some of this, we do do some of that to make it that much more exciting. But I, I think a lot of the tours are just completely legitimate, and sometimes you have those things on ghost tours where um, it, it's. It's easy to set it up uh, to to make you believe you're seeing something paranormal. Uh, the only example I have of that would be like um, when we were on a tour in Savannah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, it's very easy to create orbs. It is extremely easy to create orbs. That's why they're one of my least favorite things when, when I see a picture because it's like, eh, it can happen so naturally and look very real. Yeah. Um, it, it really, really can. Um, I'm not saying that orbs don't exist. I think they do. But I think a lot of times it's not, quite honestly. Um, And there was an area where if you take a picture of this one tree where I believe uh, somebody was hung, hung, uh, you'll see an orb. And it really, if you in today's world of digital cameras and phones, um, I suppose back in the day, if you were just clicking, you didn't have a digital display. You just click, click, click. You get an orb almost every time. But now if you hold up your phone or your video camera or whatever you're doing, you have a display and, and you can easily see the refraction of light that hits that, that specific spot from the street lights. And it sure looks like there's an orb there. Yeah. But you can also see by simply moving your phone around as well. And the refraction of light is really all it mm-hmm. is. So you got to be kind of a little bit cautious on some of those things. But <laughs> yes. I do love going on ghost tours, and just it sounds like they do too, and some of those things. It's just fun to walk around at spooky places at night and, and do it legally. Yeah. And that's, I think, half the fun of those. So thank you for sharing that uh, that experience with us. Let's go to our next story. Uh, Ellie writes, and hi, guys. wanted to share this story with you and your listeners. When I was working at a retirement home as a housekeeper between my junior and senior year of college, 2013, I came to work one day to find a long blue van parked near the building that I'd been assigned to for one summer. It looked like a commercial van, discreet, no company logos or anything on the side. I'd never seen it there before, so I took a peek inside. There was a cot or gurney in the back with a knitted blanket and a pillow. I knew right away what it was there for. I walked into the main building so I could get my Slurpee cart and clock in for the day. Or Slurpee cart. Supply cart. Slurpee? Does it say Slurpee? (laughs) No, I just said Slurpee. (laughs) I inserted Slurpee where it says supply cart. That's gross. I don't know why. Hey, I guess 
I, I'd love a Slurpee cart. Wouldn't you love to have a Slurpee cart? Not when we're talking about dead old people. <laughs> that somehow makes it not a... When I'm, when I'm old, I... Okay. I always like Slurpees. Yeah. But we call them slush puppies. Okay. We Slurpee, I think, is more 7-Eleven. We didn't have any of those. I always call them slushies. Slushies? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, slushies. Yeah, slushies or slush puppy was, I believe, the brand. Yeah. That we used to get, and uh, Slurpee is something I learned later in life. Okay. Anyhow, a supply cart. Supply cart. Not a Slurpee cart. Continuing on, it was about six forty-five in the morning. Just to start conversation, I asked my boss about it. Hey, Teresa, what's the van all about? Oh, Sophie passed away. They're here to pick her body up and take her to the morgue. My boss replied in a casual tone. Obviously, in a retirement home, death is pretty much the next step for many of the residents. From earlier retirement home experience as a dietary aide, I was no stranger to the pattern. It seemed as though at least three passed away each month, though I never experienced anything at the previous retirement home where I worked for almost two years. On this particular day, my boss decided that we needed to do some floor care in the main building and clean out another room in the independent living building to get it move-in ready. But first, she wanted to make sure and help me get all my rooms done. She was an awesome boss because she'd only recently become a supervisor. I was actually working in the building that she was assigned to before she got promoted. I'll also add that I had worked at the same retirement home as a housekeeper, but in another building the summer before, so she knew me, and we got along well. To give an idea of what the facility is like, there's a main building, which is shaped like a Z next to it. It was my building. The building was a square with a courtyard in the middle and the main parking lot on the east side back of the building. Sophie's room was literally the last room on the northeastern corner of the building. There was a door that I usually entered in through, but since her room was right there, we decided not to go in that door so we wouldn't be in the way. This is also why the van was parked so close to the door on that side. We ended up going through the door on the northwest side, and after we got our supplies together, my supervisor and I followed the pathway between the other building and the north side of my building. It was about the length of a short neighborhood block. We started cleaning rooms along the west hallway, and while we were making our way to another room, all the lights in that hallway went really dim for just a second and then got really bright and then back to normal. There may be about six to eight individual lights down the ceiling of the hallway. I didn't think anything of it, but in hindsight, it's really weird that it happened given what we were about to experience. I remember my supervisor made a comment about how she was going to talk to maintenance because in all the time she worked in that building, which was years, it never happened before. After some time passes and we clean a few rooms, we're making our way back to the main building to get our floor care supplies, basically just two separate buffers, one for carpet and one for hard linoleum, to give that a, that a spit shine. I'm walking behind her, pushing the cart, and she's rolling the vacuum. As I'm pushing my cart, I notice that the blue van is gone. Glance over to the window where Sophie's room was, and to my surprise, I saw her looking out the window. She was literally looking over towards us, very confused. Saw her for maybe two seconds. Looked at my boss and then at the window, and she was gone. Uh, Teresa, is Sophie still here? I already knew the answer. No, they took her. See, the van's gone. So why the hell did I just see Sophie in the window? You saw her too? Now, there is no flipping way that Sophie would have been at the window. On top of that fact, she was now dead. 
I started working there for the summer. She was already declining in health and bedridden. I'd cleaned her room maybe three times. We cleaned each resident's room weekly. By the fourth week, her family was visiting her and saying their goodbyes, so I was instructed not to clean her room. I avoided her room for about two weeks before the ominous blue van showed up. At times, I did clean her room. I remember her sunken light eyes, and she'd just look at me almost helpless from her throne of a bed. She wasn't scary or anything, just old. There was no way in hell she would have been able to get, uh, to get up. What makes this particularly interesting is that the last time I did clean her room, she was wearing a purple nightgown. When I saw her in the window, she was wearing the exact same color nightgown. I know there's a myth, I guess you'd call it, about opening windows to let out the dead. Well, the window in this retirement homes in this retirement home was very, very large, but only the bottom third could be opened. I think she was confused because she was standing up. She looked real. It was like she literally got up out of bed and decided to look through the window. I'll never forget that moment. I enjoy your guys' show very much and will soon become an EPP. Love listening to the podcast while I'm at work. I have other stories that I'll be happy to share. I'll be writing it again soon. L. I think if I were to die in a nursing home and come back and the nursing home employees see me, I would hope that I wouldn't look the way I did when I just died. That I would hope that I'd be back to my younger self. Mm -hmm. Because it makes you wonder why certain ghosts look certain ways. Does it matter who is seeing the ghost as to how they see that person? I don't know. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I wonder if it's it's one of those things where... Because we, we do hear this quite often of, when I saw the person, they were back to looking like they were healthy and younger. <laughs> and I'm almost wondering, you know, from a distance, looking up at someone in a window, you see their figure, you can kind of recognize who they are, but you don't really get a good idea of exactly how detailed sure. that is. So I wonder if, if it was a, a better, healthier version of her that was that was in that window because more times than not we do seem to get the stories where they see their their deceased loved one and sometimes it's an even younger version like super younger version mm -hmm. it's like they're it's a 30 year old seeing their grandma and the grandma's 30 you know or grandpa or whatever right um so i don't know how that works or if it's it's just reflective of to how you would remember that person or how they know that you see them is how they are and that's what I was kind of thinking. They only knew her in her, mm -hmm. you know, very elderly days. Sure. And that's how they would see her to recognize her. Otherwise, yeah. there'd just be some random lady up there. That's you're exactly right. Otherwise, they think there was someone in the room, mm -hmm. like living. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how that works, but uh, plenty of uh, guesses yeah. <laughs> can be made on such a topic. So thank you for uh, for sharing that uh, that story and that experience with us. We do greatly appreciate that. And you will certainly enjoy being an EPP uh, if uh, maybe maybe this week they joined. Yeah. Uh, and I hope you, uh, you enjoy all of the episodes that are out there for you. Another story. Linda writes in. Hi, Tony and Jenny. My name is Linda. I live in Portage, Indiana. I've been an EPP for a year and I'm going on my second year this week. Absolutely love your show. And uh, I have my uh, daughter, Natalie, to thank for that. She's the one who told me about your podcast, and I'm glad she did. I just surprised her with an EPP gift subscription, and she's able to catch up on all the episodes. This is actually why I'm writing you now. She was listening to one of the very early EPP episodes, perhaps one of the first ten. I heard you speak of a disappearing house in Bachelor's Grove Cemetery. You said 
you'd never heard of either. I can certainly fill you in on both. Bachelors Grove is located in uh, Midlothian, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago. The graves here date back to the mid-1800s. Sad to say, many of these graves have been desecrated by the clientele who frequently who frequent the cemetery. Cook County Sheriff's uh, Police patrol the area inside, and once dusk has fallen, as the cemetery is closed to everyone at dusk. Supposedly, law enforcement has found signs of devil worship going on, as well as finding wires strung between two trees. The obvious reason for the wire is to hurt someone, or worse yet, decapitate anyone who has been scared shitless by one of the pranksters and is running away. I'm assuming this occurs at night when somehow these evil people sneak in without being seen by the police. I know if uh, they are caught in there after dusk, they will be arrested. The cemetery was featured on Ghost Adventures and was pretty true to fact. There was a photo taken by a young lady in the graveyard of a ghostly woman who was dubbed the Madonna, sitting on a gravestone looking towards the ground. The picture was taken with an infrared film back in 1991, I believe, with an automatic advanced 35mm camera. There was no way for her to doctor the film, and she has the original negative. The picture and negative was verified genuine by a well-known photo expert. I believe you can Google this and see the actual photo. It's amazing. I've been to the cemetery quite a few times with a friend of mine who, like, like me, loves anything paranormal. While we were there, her ghost meter went off separate t- three separate times. It was just her and I there at the time. It was just a spirit. We don't know. Maybe the spirits are upset at the vandalism and criminal activity that's going on at their final resting place, and they're restless. We didn't see any wire between trees, but we also didn't venture off the path too much because the brush is very thick. Perhaps the activity happens off the path, and you're just looking for a haunted place to walk, and you're not aware of the dangers beyond all the trees and bushes you may encounter these jerks. Any normal person would not expect to be running out of the woods and right into a wire the disappearing house. I have seen it, although it was not actually in Bachelors Grove Cemetery. Back in maybe 1973, I was with my boyfriend and another couple. We decided to find Bachelors Grove. We had an idea of where it was, but had never been there. So we drove down to see what we could see in that uh, area. We drove for a few minutes and turned down the road, and we thought was the way to Bachelors Grove. The weird thing about this road was that it was so narrow, like a a bridle path for horses. There were tall trees on each side of this narrow road, and it was very desolate. The sun had just about gone down at this time, and we were about to start backing to the car to get back into the main road when this house appeared as if it was out of nowhere to our left. We all saw it and thought it was a strange place for a house being hidden in the huge trees on such a tiny road. It was a Victorian-type farmhouse, two-story, wraparound front, front porch. There were amber glows from lamps in the windows which had thin shades or sheer curtains on them. It was beautiful. We all sat there for a moment, staring at this house, which had just suddenly appeared. I'm sure we would have seen it as we were coming up that little road, but it wasn't there until the last second. We backed out onto the main road and eventually found Bachelor's Grove. I truly don't think we walked inside the graveyard at this time because it was getting dark and we knew there was probably other people in there that we that would scare the hell out of us. I don't know if there was awful stuff going on in there back then. I don't think it was in 1973, but I knew a lot of teenagers hung out in there. Apparently, we had made a wrong turn and hadn't been 
on uh, Midlothian Turnpike from the onset. But we were actually only less than a half mile from the cemetery when we were on that narrow road with the big house. Must have been intrigued so much by that house that we wanted to see it again on the way home. So we drove down the road that we thought we were on earlier when we were looking for Bachelor's Grove. We drove up and down this road looking for that narrow little road that would lead us to the house. We found nothing. Not only did the house disappear, but it so did the road that would get us there. I can remember this event like it happened last week. It's such a vivid memory. The stories I've heard about this mysterious house is that it's been seen inside Bachelor's Grove. I can honestly say even back then there would have been no place in that cemetery where a house would fit in. It would be because of the close proximity to the cemetery. People believe that the house is inside Bachelor's Grove when in reality it's about a half mile northwest of it. But that road is gone along with the house. Hope you enjoyed my story. I have several more that I'll write in. Love your show. I love the vanishing house stories. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, is it house that used to be there or is it a house that still exists that somehow is just being seen in the wrong place yeah you know it's it's like is this a residual of something that used to be there or not i'm very puzzled by that because mm -hmm. i mean you think of haunted houses and things like that and things that that stay on a property uh, or go away and someone else, something else gets built there. What you typically then see there is the ghosts of the people. Yeah. Not the structure itself. But every once in a while, we get one of these where it's like the structure itself returns. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea why that is. No. But it is creepy as hell. <laughs> so we love those stories. Thank you for sharing that experience with us. Thank you guys for being uh, EPPs as well. And thank you all for being EPPs who are listening right now. That wraps up EPP 113 of Real Ghost Stories Online. All right. Uh, until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for being EPPs. Please uh, keep subscribing. We love doing the show. Couldn't do it without you. Until next time, toodaloo. <laughs> like that one, toodaloo? Yeah. Can I do toodaloo more often? That's good, yeah. Okay, toodaloo. Bye-bye. <laughs>